You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. What are the odds I would come back to doing a review to talk about another thing called Stargirl? <laughs> Is that a thing that we have multiple properties called Stargirl every year? <laughs> I don't know this other star girl you speak of. There is only Courtney Whitmore to me. Well, I know another star girl with I don't remember her name anymore. It was that Disney Plus movie they came out with that? It was just ah, Star Girl is everywhere, and that definitely caused a lot of confusion. When we were signing up for these reviews. Everyone's like, oh, Star Girl's coming out. Let's do it. It's like, oh, it's the Disney one. Never mind. <laughs> okay, kind of but did that Star Girl have a cosmic staff? No, unfortunately. Then it sucks. <laughs> it kind of did suck from everything I know about that that movie. But hopefully this does not. Uh, hey, everybody. We are talking about Stargirl the series, not Stargirl the movie. This is the one that's created by Jeff Johns. Yes, the Jeff Johns from DC Comics. And this is especially near and dear to him because, as we were talking about before the recording, this character is very much inspired in the memory of his dearly departed sister. That's really inspiring and, I mean, sad, too. But... Now that we have this show adapted from the original run of the comics, we'll have to see if this holds up to the, I I dare say, standard of quality for CW-style superhero shows, except I've not always been crazy about these shows. Like, okay, so with the three people here who are reviewing, uh, Neil, Ray, and Jordan, have you guys all seen the CW shows? I've seen everything, yeah, yeah, except I think a few of the Batwoman episodes I haven't seen, but everything else. I do quite like the Arrowverse, although it is worth noting, this is a DC Universe original show that just happened to air on the CW the day after it debuted on DC Universe and will now be a CW show with season two. It's a whole I haven't seen Black Lightning, but I've seen all the other CW, including Batwoman. Uh, Does Black Lightning count as Arrowverse? It seems kind of disconnected from the plot. It does now. Oh, but oh, I would okay. still recommend it overall. But I'm not here to talk about how good Black Lightning is. Yeah, no, I actually bought the first season, so I really just need to get, sit down and watch it at some point. But yeah, uh, it whoever feels confident, give us a setup. I only know so much about Star Girl based on my limited exposure to the comics. Who can give us a premise for what the show is about? I will volunteer. Star Girl. Right, Star Girl is about teenager Courtney Whitmore, whose life is. Well, pretty much changed when she and her mother, Barbara, along with Barbara's new husband, Pat Dugan, and son, Mike, go from California to the wonderful, I've never heard of it, middle of goddamn nowhere, Blue Valley, Nebraska. (laughs) When When settling in, Courtney finds the cosmic staff that belonged to one Starman. Of the JSA. And it turns out, Pat just happened to be 
Starman's former sidekick, Stripesy. Is it a coincidence that once they move there and Courtney becomes becomes friends with the Cosmic Staff, which is sentient in this uh, iteration, but I actually quite like that, that the Injustice Society of America that 10 years prior vanquished the Justice Society of America are up to a nefarious plan known as Project New, no- New America? Probably, yeah. <laughs> now, so it's interesting when you talk about these characters, we actually have quite an assortment of new and, you know, veteran actors who are playing these parts, because the main character is Breck Baskin- Bassinger, who's playing Courtney Whitmore, which she's relatively unknown outside of that Nickelodeon show, Bella and the Bulldogs. So this is kind of her first, like, kind of grown-up-ish performance. But then you got uh, her parents you mentioned there. You got Amy Smart, who I knew recognized her. She had a bit role in Starship Troopers. Uh, she had it in there, but then a few other roles she's done. And then Luke Wilson as Pat Dugan, which he seems to be kind of a weird choice to play in a CW show, but why not? I actually quite liked uh, that casting choice. It was much like uh, with Brendan Fraser on, on uh, Doom Patrol. It's like, you know, this is a really good actor that we mostly knew from a bunch of projects in the 90s but but they're honestly really capable affable and can actually lean into this type of you know character with a bit of a goofy kind of charm to him i i agree the casting surprised me but i liked it yeah and then you got like joel McHale as the original Starman, which (laughs) when i saw joel McHale, i'm like huh joel McHale's a superhero never thought i would live to see that day (laughs) But, uh, and I don't want to spoil all the casting choices, because there's a lot of, like, side players who are all veteran character actors, including a few uh, that I was just like, oh, I didn't even know they were in this show, kind of thing. Uh, but, yeah, I'm I'm very curious. Now, so, I believe this is 13 episodes for this season, correct? Yes. Yes. That just wrapped up. Okay. So, would you say that's appropriate length? Because I know usually CW shows last around, like, what, like 15, 20 episodes, depending on the type of show it is, right? Yes, and and even, uh, I think one season of Arrow even went 20-some episodes. <laughs> well, again, just to reiterate, like, with DC Universe, they're only get, doing about 13, 10 episodes each. So, 13 here. Actually, yeah, I, do, I actually think it was quite justified, given the two separate two-parters in the season... Where I, where I was like, okay, yeah, the, the, these two parters are actually necessary because there's way too much stuffed in here just to do one complete and, episode. Yeah, and I like the fact that uh, being only 13 episodes, they kind of played it straight through, even on CW. If you didn't watch it you know, on DC Universe, they played it straight through on CW. And many of the CW shows in the past have done that thing where they do about half a season, then they take a long six or eight week break, and then they do the second half of the season. I like that this played straight yeah, through. Yeah, no, and that's traditional television format for a lot of those kind of shows. But I think, yeah, this way, it's just a one and done run of the series kind of thing. But uh, Neil, what do you think about for the actual length and the pacing of the show? <clears throat> it worked. And any show trying to be a series... They got a lot of work of world building and character building in that first season. And with 13, you don't have time to do a, a filler. Like every long show, people will say in a season or a long season, there's a couple of fillers. They're doing a little mm-hmm. bit of backstory or whatever. This one, even though it's connected to DC and the DC television universe, it doesn't worry about that at all. It's setting up its little corner of the world 
with the Justice Society, the New Justice Society, the Injustice Society, and these characters, that the pacing was really good throughout of it, that throughout the, the 13, um, nice and compact and kept going. It didn't seem to drag at any place. <clears throat> but we kept getting uh, little nuggets on the characters. I even, you know, they would do... I don't know if it was a nod to Arrow, but every episode would start with a little flashback to give you more on how we're getting here. And even the it's an Arrowverse show, of course there's flashbacks. And then the so. final episode kind of, I think, makes fun of itself saying, three minutes ago. The flashback is from three minutes ago, <laughs> setting up something you didn't see, you know, a different part of town than where we had been watching the episode before. Ah, so cool. nice little trick there, but they didn't get bogged down with it. Like they, they didn't have to do it because as arrow went on and on it was like oh shit we ran out of island what do we do now okay um but i think the 13 episodes played really well it played well to the they're having to build a new world and a new cast of characters we didn't get slowed down or a lot of filler i don't think there was really any filler but we got enough it wasn't like we didn't understand any of the several quote-unquote main characters in this in this player universe. Nice, nice. Now, so I'm curious then with what we said about the cast, uh, what do you think of the lead performances? Because I, I remember seeing the trailer and I thought that, uh, Brett Passenger, I thought she looked all right in the role, but how do you think that she and the other actors did for their parts? I thought she was excellent. I thought she was a really damn good Stargirl. Like, we'd only really seen the adult version of Stargirl in live action. Mm -hmm. And if I try, uh... And actually still playing this on the original Stars and Stripe comic that Jeff Johns pretty much translated this from was a good idea. Because the only other, like, the only other TV version I remember this from is from Justice League Unlimited. And, uh, I thought, I thought Brick ba ba Basinger, uh... Bassinger, well, I'm gonna fluctuate on that. Sorry. But <laughs> I know. We, we it, know. It, 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 she actually got across what I really liked about the character from the comics, and uh, j just, like, she she just took with it. Like, she thought, this my, th is this my purpose now? This is my purpose now. I'm gonna go do this because this is my purpose now. Even though she was a bit more reluctant here, but I really did like it. I, I, I just thought she was very good, very convincing, charming, affable, and uh, also j really was able to carry the weight of this show very well. I absolutely agree with Jordan. Again, she's somebody that we didn't know anything about going in. I liked uh, the look of the character. I liked what she was able to pull off acting-wise. And, I mean, we're talking about a lot of time, too, spent, especially after she discovers the staff, talking to an object that, you know, yes, it's sentient, but, I mean, it... it it's an object. It's not. A, it's not another person. It's not there physically, and it's not something that you necessarily get a lot of feedback from, like you do with other actors. And I thought she pulled that off really well without ever making it look, you know, silly or juvenile. I was going to say I think she did a great job with the physicality of the role. They set up the character as a former high-performing gymnast, so you're you're yeah. there's some credibility of, oh, well, you give him a suit and a staff, and now they're a superhero. No, she's got <laughs> training and experience in being physical and being a, a nimble and adept. And 
if they use stunt doubles, they're very good at covering up. It looks like she's doing a lot of her own work, and it, she pulls it off. She pulls off. Courtney goes through a lot of range emotionally in the season, and she's pulling it off where you could chalk it up. She's playing a 16-year-old or so, and so they got to go with stereotypes of how a teenager, she's a believable teenager going through a lot of difficulties and figuring it out at what seems reasonable and realistic. If she's not making all rash decisions or all super intelligent, mature decisions, it all, and she got that across the whole time too. Of her world yeah. is literally flipped upside down by moving halfway across the country, but then she's a door is open to possibly her heritage and her her purpose is put in front of her, and she pulled all of that off too. Yeah, it's the the rash teenage decisions we get is from the other members of the new JSA, most certainly uh, Rick Tyler uh, Alvarez, played by Cameron Gelman. And Yolanda, played by Yvette Monrell, uh, aka Wildcat, but oh right, right. Yeah, then again, they they kind of do have their own deep shit, which okay, a bit understandable. Whereas Angelica Washington as Beth, she 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 just wants to have some friends. She she doesn't want to be the fucking nerdy outcast anymore. And I really did like this because this. This is very much a Jeff Johns show in that it is one thing I will say. Yes, I kind of giggled at some of the like the heaviest deep cut DC references throughout this season. And it is a story built on heritage, on, you know, looking to the, uh, you know, exploring the past to look forward to the future. You, you just read any Jeff Johns story. And, like, that's, like, a big, heavy recurring theme, and it certainly is here with the JSA, who... Well, because all the current members, it looks like, are all successors to Originals JSA. Yeah, they, like, they, yeah. they are, and I am a huge Justice Society of America nerd, and this was this basically turned into a JSA show, and I'm all for that. I will say, and it was great to even see uh, the original uh, JSA, like, the very first shot is the... It is their climactic battle, the original JSA against the Injustice Society. And also, those effects at the start were so damn cool. Like, they... It was just awesome. I will say, my favorite of the JSA new members that did join was actually Angelica as Beth Chapel, who becomes the new Dr. Midnight. Even though they really need to redo that costume. I love Dr. Midnight, but that does, that is mm -mm. not a good look on her. No. I, you know, one of the other things I liked about all of the characters and, and what they did with the show is we're talking about the acting and how the actors were able to pull off everything that they were given. They don't pull punches in this. I mean, just because these are high school kids, that doesn't mean that their actions don't have consequences. Episode three got dark. Yeah. There's a couple of times where some things happen or, you know, maybe somebody doesn't win their fight or, you know, whatever else. And let me tell you, they didn't pull a lot of punches in those things. And when those moments came up, I thought the actors handled those moments well, you know, just across the board yeah i agree like i said episode three in particular was like 
Holy shit, mm-hmm. that escalated fast. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the fallout of it and how it was handled was very good. Uh, I will say, I did like the Injustice Society as well this season. Icicle, Brainwave, who is just the creepiest bastard. <laughs> I mean, I mean Christopher James Baker... Who I'm sure is a nice person. I, I mean, generally, you find out, it's like, oh, the nicest people ever are the ones that play villains. But, god damn, he looks unnerving. I'm just saying. <laughs> Although, I think that kind of fits well with someone who's like, I'm just going to make you have a stroke. Yikes. <laughs> but, uh, Neil, what do you think? Any like, standouts from the, act- uh, from the actors in the cast? Well, everyone they mentioned, I, I agree... Brainwave's also helped by good music. They, Sargil kind of has her theme lying under there. Brainwave has a theme lying under there. I would say I thought Luke Wilson got better as the season went on. I think they gave his character more and more, but he was never bad. Lorraine and I had talked about him and Amy Smart's marriage. While it didn't seem loveless, it just seemed like they were old hat, but they had been married a couple of years at this point and it, it gets flushed out and, and much better. You see more connective tissue between them later in the season, but, um, and maybe he's downplaying it cause he knows he's the biggest name on it and he doesn't want to be, this is all about me. It's all about her and it's all about the kids. I, I, him and Joel McHale, I would say were the two biggest names of the cast that I see here. Oh, you're discrediting Henry Thomas. Come yeah. on. <laughs> I didn't want to spoil, but yeah, Henry Thomas shows up too. Oh, he's <laughs> in the credits. I think of every episode. It's not you. Okay. You okay. see him in the opening credits, and I went, "Oh, oh, where's he at?" Like, so I honed in on that name pretty quick. Yeah, but he was still just the voice of the original Doctor Midnight. Even though, yeah, we did see him in the opening. But yeah, Henry Thomas is really good. I will, but yeah, Luke Wilson, I really did like. As I said, the charm, the affability. Like, he honestly really fell into this role. Uh, he filled into it nicely. If I had any problems character-wise, is that sometimes Mike kind of just fucking grated on my nerves a bit. Because it's like, alright, kid, you're not from... You're from New York. Stop. Stop. I, I'm not <laughs> buying half of your shit. It worked. It worked. He was grading, yes, but I think it it works. I grew on him a little bit. He got, in fact, like, he even got to have his big fuck yeah moment in the finale, which I was like, okay, you know what? You kind of earned it. Uh, I'm I'm warming up on you, kid. I've, I think he's meant to be that way because he's also, he's becoming the outsider because they're having this other life and story happening, and they're, part of Pat's thing is, no, the... Nobody can know this. People get hurt. Everyone who knows this gets hurt. We have to shield them from it. So trying to keep it from Barb and trying to keep it from Mike. But Mike senses something going on and he just can't. And I think it's a little bit of undertone of jealousy of his dad and Courtney are becoming closer. And while he doesn't want her, he doesn't want to disallow it. He feels like he's losing his dad to some aspect. Now, they could have probably flushed that out a little bit better, but... Yes, he's grading. I completely agree. I think it's what they kind of meant for him to be at first. They actually have some pretty good people behind the camera on this show. Yeah, so the music was done by Pinar Toprak, who 
if I remember correctly, she is a protege of Hans Zimmer, who did stuff like Krypton, uh, Captain Marvel recently, some work on Justice League as well. Sounds like that she did a pretty good job doing the music on this uh, for yeah. the show. Yeah, the music actually is really good. Like the opening theme over, you know, the the main title is just like that is like properly like epically heroic and a tinge maybe of like Sterling, yay America, because <laughs> Star Girl. Even though it's like, well. Well, this is some Americana I can actually feel good about at the moment. But yeah, the music is really good. And yeah, every character, like every main character has their own distinctive theme. Like, I even like the cues whenever Jordan... Okay, not me, the villain. <laughs> I was yeah, your music. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, didn't you know? I have a full orchestra that follows yeah, that... me everywhere. There... Jeff Johns knew you were watching the show. He's like, this is for you, Jordan. Oh right. my gosh, Jordan has walking away music. That's so cool. Not damn right idea. No, Neil Jackson, who plays Jordan McKent, a.k.a. Icicle, who is the leader of the Injustice Society of America. His music cues, like whenever he goes full Icicle, is also very, well, I I don't know how to describe it. Very chilling, <laughs> uh... but, but it does. But it does. Ha- but it, but it does play to his to the sinister undertones of him. Nice, nice. But yeah, I mean, in terms of like production or anything like that, it sounds like it's a pretty solidly produced CW slash DC Universe show. Like, because I know that's been a problem with some of the recent DC Universe shows. Like, I mean, not. The ones directly made for DC Universe, but even the other Arrowverse stuff. Like, I know Supergirl had some huge production problems, and Batwoman had a few issues with special effects and costume work. Would you say overall was a pretty good production for this show, though? Yes. Absolutely. Oh, I would. The special effects were solid throughout. Ooh. Yes, the the Cosmic Staff, uh, again, in this iteration, is sentient to a degree, but... It looked great, and also, I love the design of Stripe. Pat's <gasps> robot. It, oh, I'm glad you did, because I was going to mention that. I was going to mention lo- It looked as cool as I hoped it would. Uh, what did we all think of the villain's plot? Because I actually thought, for a first season, okay, that's pretty damn cool. Oh, it was big. It was grandiose, but they'd been planning it almost ten years, and yeah. it, it did not feel too big for these new heroes. Because it was all just kind of localized there where they were. But yeah, it was it was Bond level. I mean, you're not going to have like a giant end of the world plot in the middle of Nebraska, I'm assuming. So, But mm, almost. Yeah, maybe not world ending, but definitely world changing. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, indeed. It, I even like, like one of my few little character moments is Rick asking like, wait, are we, are we sure we're not the bad guys here? <laughs> Nice. No, those are fun little moments. I oh, I also saw that Sportsmasters in this show. I yep. love yep. Sportsmasters. Yes, he is part too. of the Injustice Society. Oh, so good. Like, yeah, see, that's what I love about this kind of stuff. Is where deep, a uh, deep cut comic stuff really like shines through these kind of shows. You're like, oh, Sportsmaster, Doctor Midnight, uh, Tigress, all these characters. I yes, I want to see those. Live yeah, yes. Sportsmaster and Huntress and their darling daughter Artemis. Ah, okay. Like, so I'm familiar with them through the, uh, what was it, Young Justice mm-hmm. show. So it's yeah. interesting to see them moving into the live action uh, fair now. Well, so, they do oh. have a tangential uh, relation through the comics as well. 
Okay, cool. Now, we've said a lot of great stuff about this. Is there anything, other than a few quibbles you guys mentioned before, is there anything that you thought didn't work as well or anything that you might say would be better to be improved for another season? I don't know. You know, there have been a lot of critiques about um, the CW, you know, this their whole universe shows. Some have been better than others, and, and some, you know, people have had a real particular problem with. I think for a first season, this was... You know, and as I've, I've got to say, as much as I love Arrow, because I am an Arrow baby, I grew up on Green Arrow, I love anything Green Arrow, <laughs> and I'm willing to give it a lot of passes where a lot of people aren't, because I just love Green Arrow, um, you know, <laughs> but I I might look at this and go, you know, especially for a first season, this is one of the most solid of the CW, you know, DC Universe shows that we've done. I... God, solid, solid first season. I agree. If I had any gripes, like I said, Mike was a bit of an issue, but I warmed up on him. Some things maybe not as developed, like they bring up Icicle's son, Cameron. Like, he's probably going to be something big. And again, this ties into that recurring theme in Jeff Johns' work of legacy and inheritance. And it's like, eh. It's like... The last I remember him was, m mostly was the dinner scene and the Shiv two-parter. They don't give quite a concrete answer on to Shiv's mom, Cindy, uh, school, you know, head bitch in charge of the school, more or less, <laughs> and daughter of the Injustice Society's Dr. Ito. Yeah, it's just some things that were maybe a bit underdeveloped and just dropped because they kind of thought they would be bigger but i agree with ray it, it this is just such a solid first season i really watching an episode barely found myself saying uh what am i even doing no i i honestly really enjoyed myself for the most part awesome and then neil any other points sir oh all the same with them first seasons are always interesting you go back and look on your favorite show of how long it takes to find its footing and even some of the greats it's six seven episodes in you know parks and rec some people will tell you don't watch the first six, first six episodes at all because they revamp and retool and then it goes off like gamebusters and with the superhero shows it's it's also the same like the origin story is going to suck up so much time and all this this one was sleek and fast but didn't leave you lacking of Wait, 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 wait. Like, again, they, they established Courtney as a former top athlete. Her dad is Starman. The staff is connected to her for that. Like, they quickly get through that and get on to trying to find her way as the hero. And she doesn't have perfect footing on that. But the show knows where it's going. It feels like they really worked over these scripts and thought of all the angles and didn't try to bite off more than they could chew if it came to special effects. Or if it, you know, they didn't worry about, we don't hear Flash or Arrow or any of them mentioned of like, oh, this is too big for us. Maybe we should call that Flash guy. They don't worry about the bigger universe. They're worried about the, figuratively, the 20 square miles in Nebraska and the characters mm -hmm. that are in it. And without being too short or trying to fill 20 episodes, I think they did a lot of pre-work and found... We didn't see the third version of these 
scripts, we saw like the fifth or sixth, and they really ironed it out, and they knew where they were going with it. Oh, um, that's good to hear. So yeah. it wasn't as clunky. Like Arrow's a little bit slow and gets going. They're trying to do a lot with it. I mean, even Buffy, its first season isn't bad, but it's it hasn't found its voice or its footing yet. This one did a lot to to get there and get itself going rather quickly and believable the whole time. Oh, absolutely. And like the biggest name mentioned DC wise is like Green Lantern when when we have a tour of like the old mm-hmm. JSA. Like Which we I, are getting that show at some point yeah, soon. So. I, I nerded out just that scene, just seeing the JSA headquarters, just seeing all those little Easter eggs. It's just uh well, that's half the fun for these shows. Yeah, why don't we, since we're getting a little long with the tooth right now, why don't we wind down to final ratings? Uh, Ray, why don't you start? You know, off? I've got to look at this and say, like I said before, that of the CW shows, I'm going to give this big props for getting, for being a great first season and for being something that is accessible to a lot of people because, you know, even if you hadn't read a comic, the thing about this is that even people who've read comics and are not really in depth into them, these are characters that a lot of people aren't familiar with. So don't feel like, you know, you're behind the you know behind the eight ball to start. These are lesser known characters anyway. And and like Jordan has said, since uh, Johns was so directly involved and you've got him following one of his, his comics already, I think that there's not a lot that can go wrong if you watch it and you're not a comic fan because I think the acting's good. I think that the the fun is good when they have it, and I think the gravitas is there when that needs to be. So this is something that I, I really liked even more than I thought I would uh, going in, it, even though, you know, of course, I, I love the DC shows, but I really liked this show more than I thought I was going to, and I guess I have to look and give this show's first season, and I'm going to... I'm going to blow it out of the water a little bit. I'm going to say 9 out of 10 Iron Giants. <laughs> wow. High praise. All right. Then, uh, Jordan. I think DC absolutely hit it out of the park here. Like, this is... Like, you take a look. Like, this is the latest DC Universe show. Compare this to where they started with Titans. It is so day and night. It's just not in tone, but also quality, because this is DC's uh, attempt at, like, an honest family show, uh, an honest live-action superhero family show, which I thought was so needed, even though it's like, you know, I like how the risks they take with stuff like Swamp Thing and Doom Patrol, and especially Harley Quinn. But this I really liked. It it, it it reminded me why I love this minutia of the Golden Age. Because, again, D- Jeff Johns is as huge a nerd as us right here talking about it. Just, but, yes, it is accessible. But that's, that's one of his biggest strengths. He takes these unknown characters, these characters that you might have an idea of, but... He tw- but he plays around with them, and he makes you care about them. Because, yeah, uh, like Ray said, even though you might not know of Wildcat or Hourman, Dr. Midnight, 
the way these characters, these new iterations are written, you can honestly find something to really relate with these characters. And yeah, the acting all around is so good. I didn't find myself slogging through this, and the se and the epilogue they have at the end of at the end of season one gets me excited for what could possibly come, uh, especially uh, with some of the character teases. I am excited. I highly recommend this. I'm going to give it nine out of ten cosmic staffs. Awesomeness, and then Neil. They've said pretty much all there is. Um, they didn't try to, they didn't get caught up in trying to force, you know, a relationship on the main character. And it's not like she's devoid. There's boys she kind of likes, but it isn't something that's shoved in there as in, well, we got to hook characters up or things like that. So we've said it again and again, the season kept moving and it did a really good job of getting you invested and, and, I like the phrasing of, you know, a superhero family show because kind of the main character is that family made up of two previous families of Pat, Barb, Mike, and Courtney. And tying back to possibly Courtney's dad. There's, you know, our man, it's his dad that started all of it for his angle. And Jordan's icicles, wife's connected to part of his drive. Like, it's all that connective tissue. And... I'm going to rate it just as high. It's not, a per it's not perfect. It's not one of the strongest first seasons, but I'm going to give it 9 out of 10 secret layers. Wow. Wow, that's high praise for the show. I should actually watch it for a change. It's been doing good numbers for the CW, which isn't to say they're doing spectacular numbers, but for CW shows, it's been a relatively good hit. Yeah, I, I, I've heard the numbers when they do CW are actually pretty good, which is unprecedented for even uh, a summer release yeah i think it was the highest summer release since the premiere of whose lines anyways revival season uh, oh wow okay we, we've been along for a little bit but like maybe one little bit to talk about for spoiler spoilers if anyone had any thoughts they wanted to share oh uh -huh. yes okay yeah so warning for everybody now we're gonna talk just a little bit about something that happened in the end of star girl so you've been warned i want the shade damn it yes you and i are on the same page i knew it <laughs> oh my god the shade look i'm currently rereading james robinson's Starman, who was a writer on this sh on this show actually oh uh and star and james robinson's Starman, for my money is maybe the best superhero comic dc published throughout the 90s the shade is a huge part of that and oh my god that when they just referenced him like midway through i was like Oh, hey, cool. But then to actually just see him there, it's like, ah, yes, I want this. Put this in my Oh, brain. and I had just, the funny thing is, I had just finished rereading for how many this time, I don't know, but I just reread The Archer's Quest, which, of course, is one of the comics where Oliver Queen comes back from the dead, but he's left all of his stuff with shade. And I was, like, looking at this Ooh. comic going... Oh, it would be really interesting if we would see, you know, a live action, you know, a good live action version of Shade. And then all of a sudden, and there he was. Yeah, I was going to say, because like, did, didn't he show up in Flash Season 3? Uh, that, that wasn't the Shade. That was a 
Oh, it's shade. a shade. Okay. A shade, not D shade. Not not the Just, indirect mm, top hat yeah. wearing asshole mm. uh, <laughs> in the comic. I'm, hey, I love the shade, but he is kind of, but he is often it's like, dude, can you get to mm-hmm. the fucking point? <laughs> well, in the the final final scene with the original Starman, I have a theory. Yes, so this we know this started on DC universe universe to cw they moved to cw so they they weren't either allowed or wanted to worry about the connective tissue to the arrowverse i think they may explain this as in crisis they because they brought black lightning in they brought batman batwoman in this could be a, a ripple from crisis that he's alive again and that's where they may make more references to the bigger arrowverse um, that I had I hadn't thought about that. That actually mm. could work. They may have wow. another reason why he's it's it's not him. It is him. Whatever. But my f- after a few minutes, I'm like, crisis could be why they're they're bringing him in, and it could be how they connected to the other shows. I don't know if they'll do crossovers. We haven't heard of that. Um, she may get pulled into the now that Arrow's out. Perhaps. They may do the crossover event with the other shows, and and her gang shows up. I don't know. I don't know, but that's my guess is we might get that connected tissue to the rest of the Arrowverse, and Crisis is how they bring the original back. Now, then it poses the problem of who gets the staff and who does the staff want to go with after this. So, well, speaking of Starman, I was very, I did have a giddy little giggle when they referenced Ted Knight as the one who invented it. Ted Knight being the father of Jack Knight. Uh, who is the star man of James Robinson's amazing run. I'm wondering if we're going to have a flashback and po- I mean there was also David Knight, uh Jack's older brother who was also star man for a while. So so I'm very curious about that. Also, the the other tease I really liked was Cindy finding the Calypso gem. Just be like Okay, so you're oh, gonna e- Eclipso. Eclipso. Yeah, ecl- sorry, yeah, Eclipso. Ooh, I... Yeah. yeah, sorry, I, I, I fucked up. The Calypso gem would be fun too. Yeah. Calypso, everybody dance, everybody dance. Yeah, I, I'm just like, oh, so you just want to make yourself come really Arkham ready to go there? Okay, fine. I'm not a hundred percent that Icicle's dead. No, maybe. I don't think why Starman could be back is the same reason, but who's to say he doesn't have that much power that he can reconstitute himself? Hmm. He melt and went to the sewer and spent months putting himself back together. I don't know. Uh, you know, this. it may be, too, that this is just a way um, to bring his son in because we, yeah, like, like yeah. Jordan said earlier, we lost him a little bit. And, you know, somebody yeah. goes out and kills your father, guess what? That's, you know, that's one of those very things that make people into supervillains, right? Yeah, the the legacy and inheritance it, uh, that thing that Jeff Johns does isn't limited to heroes. It does play with villains as well, especially uh, in his Flash yeah. run. Mm. Well, and uh, I will just leave on one final note. Please cast David Tennant <gasps> as Oh, I love you even more. Oh. We can't have him be too obviously oh. like like he's already been the purple man. I think oh, saying, I don't Jordan, give a I shit. I didn't think I could Calm love you any more, nerds. Jordan, and now I do. 
one one more thing on Icicle that his end I thought was a little strange because Mike does the thing he does and it's almost a sitcoming moment where they're like, Haha, Mike, you card. He ran over <laughs> a guy. He shattered a guy. Aren't you a little like bothered by that? He's uh, he he hits him, shatters him and just says, can I be in the JSA now? You fucking kill the guy. <laughs> it's like Anchorman. Just like, Mike, you might be wanted for murder right now. <laughs> yeah. Mike, you killed a guy. 